What's going on, guys? Welcome to this edition, the August 25th edition of the Real Estate Q&A. My name is John Papaloni. And my name is Saad Wali. We are delighted to answer all your real estate questions. We have a few that came in in advance. And if you want to uh, post a question in the comments, we will get it and uh, answer, it here, right, uh, answer you right live in the show today. So let's get this going because I'm excited and I want to get this uh, show on the road. So number one, I've been consistently told that real estate prices are basically based on supply and demand. The latest stats show a drop in home sales in July. With that being said, would that mean with lower sales and more buyers, the prices should be going up? Why are they not? Now that's a very good question. I can answer that. Or said you want to answer this one first? Well, it's 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 just in a different. Uh or unusual phase we're in usually. It's because the interest rates keep going up. And um, so w when the interest rate keep increasing, that creates a lot of uncertainty in the market. So some people are on the fence, some people uh, are on holidays. So it's, it's August is a different time. Yeah, and I think it's more even also with, even though the, um, the housing, uh, you know, there's more, there's, um, you know, what am I trying to say? There is a supply problem and there's low inventory, there's also a, uh, an affordability issue out there. And with that being said, so when, um, even though things are cheaper, if people can't get the financing, how are they gonna buy it? So that, that poses a problem in itself. So again, with interest rates, affordability is down. And as a result, they aren't selling fast. People panic. And they're still looking for January prices. And as they panic, they uh, two weeks go by. They don't get the showings they expect. They don't get any offers that they want. So now they freak out. They talk to their agent. And next step is the agent suggests lowering the price. So that's kind of what happens. You know, average day, uh, you know, days on market right now is around the 30-day mark, roughly. Um, I don't know it exact, but I know the area. And with that being said, so that's kind of contributing to the fluctuating market prices. So that's kind of one, one of the reasons why that even though there's a shortage in housing and there's um, a, shorting, a shortage in housing and the prices are still dropping. It's uh, once the affordability comes back, people save a, a little bit more of a down payment that you'll, you'll notice that there'll be a nice trajectory, trajectory going upwards and uh, changing that. So. We'll see. We have another announcement on September 7th. Anything is possible. Yeah. Um, and that's going to sort of tell us where we're going to go for the rest of the uh, year and see what's going to happen from there. Yeah. So number two, you want to? Yes. So with new interest rate and the market slowing down the way it is, affordability of a home is still in question. I know previously rent to own were hard to get, but with all that's happening, it's easier to get a rent to own option now. How does that work? Um, easier to get a rent to own? I don't know. I don't think, I don't think things have been on the market long enough for people to panic enough to consider that. Yeah. Right. Like it's now you can always find it the old traditional way with uh, investors buying it. And I mean, this is how it works. An investor would buy the property. You would have an agreement between you and the investor at a set rate, whatever the interest rate is, you would pay them uh, a lease. Now just say the going monthly lease rate is uh, $2,000. 
So you would pay them to say $3,000. So that $1,000 a month over a five-year period will go to the investor as an extra payment. That would be used as your down payment. And at that point in time, after the five years, you have that money as your down payment. You go to the bank and you get the mortgage for you and the, and the investor gets his payout at the agreed rate. Now, pretend the investor bought the home at 900000 and you agreed to buy it at a million and twenty in five years, as an example. So what would happen is that in five years, you would owe a million and twenty in order to, uh, to secure that property. So you'd have to go, you know, get the mortgage for that million and twenty minus your down payment, which was paid from the overage of the rent. Um, and, you know, minus all your transfer fees and everything and all that. And if you get approved, then the home goes to you. The investor gets his profit, he moves out, and then you've uh, pretty much rented it until you were able to get your own mortgage. If you cannot close in five years, then what ends up happening is uh, you just become by default the renter and the investor keeps the property. The extra you put in, you do not get back. That ends up being an extra bonus for the investor for the trouble. Oh, wow. So, yeah. And now that's why it's very, very, very keen that you talk to a lawyer in rent to own deals. Because uh, there's a lot of stipulations and that uh, you may be unaware of, such as the one I just said, right? So, and then you can always rearrange the deal with the, through the lawyers if the investors agree to it. But more than likely, there has to be an incentive for them to want to do this. So, but with the, with the interest rates and all that, investors are not keen on buying right now, paying that interest rate just to rent it out to you so you can buy it from them later. The housing availability is there. The investors have kind of dropped off. So that's where the issues you're going to have. Number three is my favorite one. Oh, really? Oh, hey, Tony. I just want to say, uh, you know, thanks for watching. But yeah, so number three, this is uh, the most fun one. There is agents out there that are charging 1% to sell my home, while other agents are asking for 4% or 5%. How can they do it for 1%? And is there any reason not to use them since I'd be saving so much money? So now this one is key. Do you want me to take this one or do you well, want to go first? Yeah. All right. Okay. It's your favorite. Oh, it's my favorite one because I always get this question. So here, here's the thing, right? Now you got to ask them a question. Is there 1% really 1% or is it their fee that's 1%? And you still have to pay for the cooperating brokerage to bring the buyer. And if that's the case, the cooperating brokerage to bring the buyer is going to be 2.5%. So that means the actual commission is 3.5%, not 1%. But they often promote that they're taking 1% for themselves. So yeah. it's kind of a misrepresentation to a point, but it's not because the way they word it is my portion is 1%. They just leave out the fact that the cooperating is 2.5%. So you're not really getting 1% because if you're not offering any commission to the cooperating brokerage. That just doesn't make any sense. The second thing is now an agent that you're paying four or 5% to is probably going to spend money on advertising and staging and uh, photography and video. When you're collecting 1%, you're probably going to get the uh, brokerage that's going to uh, pretty much, uh, or the agent, sorry, not the brokerage, the agent that's pretty much going to use their iPhone for pictures. Now, you tell me, what, do you want uh, professional photos listed or would you like iPhone photos listed? Because, uh, <laughs> you know, there is a difference. And then virtual tours, uh, videos, those are going to be uh, hard to offer when a uh, 1% because there's going to be no budget to do that. Um, with that being said, 
who would want to work for 1% over the 2 or 2.5% two that they would normally get? It's probably going to be somebody less experienced, um, un, you know, no experience, not really sure what to do. They're uh, not doing much business every day, and they're uh, probably in a panic state, which is why they're reducing commission, because they're about to try anything to get you to list with them over someone else. So do you want a new person who can't even basically can't even discuss a commission rate or you know negotiate with you on what he's going to get paid to be able, out there negotiating with the buyer on what he's going to sell with your home that's one thing you have to ask yourself or do you want a a, uh, a professional who does this every day he sells multiple homes a year you know whether it's uh, 50 homes a year 100 homes a year 25 homes a year or whatever and they do this pretty much every single day they're experienced they know all the ins and outs all the knacks of everything to look out for where to promote it how to promote it the correct wording, the proper uh, tools and uh, experience to be able to get you the maximum value. So that's what you got to ask yourself something. More than likely, the guy charging 4 or 5% has that experience. The guy with 1% is just willing to sign a piece of paper, put the sign on the lot and uh, get your listing that way. And Because out of options, basically, they're not selling anything. Um, again, that may not always be true. You have to ask, what are you getting for the 1%? That's going to be the key word. What do you get for 1% and compare it to the person who does the listing presentation that's at 4 or 5%? That's my take on it. Have I missed anything? No, no, I agree 100%. Plus, it's, it's always it's like give and take. So when you're, you're trying to sell your property, you, you want it to get the highest amount of, of money possible. So, so if you do those things like touch-ups, staging, photography, that gets a lot of more attention, more attraction, and that ends into more number of buyers interested in it so with the with the one percent or some of them are right now I've, I've noticed there's a company that does it for a thousand bucks they put it for you on mls for a thousand dollars and then and then they don't do anything basically they just put it for you on the mls for a thousand but you do all the showings and there's no staging or photography or any of that stuff yeah so, that's that's exactly it. service level right like yeah, like i think so, it's a fair square that does it or something like that but people think oh why would i like spend that money when i can just get it done for a thousand or one percent but it's just at the end of the day how much you net it so if you sold your property for one million and 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 like you 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 spent five let's say five percent between the two uh, brokerages um and then if you that'd if, be fifty thousand bucks yeah fifty thousand bucks you that Okay, but if you if you didn't do that and nothing was done to the property and you went with a one percent, you're probably gonna sell it for like nine twenty, nine ten or whatever. So at the end of the day you netted less. So yes, you spend money, but so it's a business. You put in it and then you take That's exactly it. what yeah. you put in is what you get. Yeah. And, and that's the other thing, right? Now now the other thing is when you pay those uh, service ones, like you're saying the thousand dollars, it's a thousand dollars to put on the MLS. They don't take the pictures, you submit it. So it goes back to again you know, you're using your iPhone to take pictures. Now compare, go through the MLS, look at different uh, images out there. You'll see the ones that use the iPhone versus the ones that got it done professionally. And you can see the difference and the attractiveness is quite different. Um, again, you want the, the service provider to take the big photos. That's going to be another fee thing, probably another $400. And it's not only, it doesn't stop at just taking professional photography. It's the marketing strategy that your agent is going to be using in order to sell you your property and get you the highest amount possible for it. Yeah, that's going to be key, the marketing strategy. And that's why you got to ask, what are they going to do for that commission?
right? Like, like the marketing plan is going to be. And, and nowadays we are at the times where this service is more needed. Yeah. Than what when, when it was six months ago. Six months ago, maybe you would say, "Oh, everything sells. You don't need to do anything." But right now, it's different. So right now, the, those the the the, the professional work it, is kind of more in need now. Right. And now look at it. When you look at properties online, yeah. how many times have you seen something that doesn't look so good? You decide not to see it. Well, the chances are those were the iPhone pictures or the Samsung pictures. Now, there's been numerous times, and I've told clients this myself, sometimes you can't go by what you see online. And if something has the characteristics of what you like, it might be worth seeing it because what you see online through those iPhone photos and what you see when you actually go to the place does not look the same. But that's me telling you that and me going through the photos with you and trying to point out the differences where I can spot that stuff. Now, if you're looking on your own, you're just going to bypass that listing and not even bother. Right. So and then that's why there's less eyeballs on your on your sale and less people looking, less people offering, less people offering. The more you got to reduce your price. That's the bottom line. So number four. If a tenant is locked out of their condo unit, what can be done? Well, I, I think the first question is, why were they locked out of their condo unit? And yeah, like that's is, the key is thing. It, is it they they lost their keys? Is it someone locked the like? I, well, yeah, me. exactly. If they lost their keys, go to security. If uh, your landlord locked you out, you probably did it through the sheriff's. You probably didn't pay your bill and got evicted. Um, and if that's the reason that the condo was locked, well, there's not much you can do. I would just try to get your stuff and try to find a new place. But, um, or find out what can be done to, uh, you know, make amends with the landlord. Now, again, if you just lost your key, security can probably help you get in. And you'll probably have to talk to the landlord to get a new key. Yeah. That's what it's going to come down to. Number five, I have interviewed three different realtors, and their main points is that they work for the best brokerage. Don't they all? They all give me points as to why. In the end, doesn't matter what should I look for and how do I decide? Well, I don't know about what you think, but I, the first thing I think of is don't worry about the brokerage. Worry about the agent and what the marketing strategy is going to be. Yes. The, the agent, his network, his, his previous deals, um, how he presented his previous listings, um, what what is going to be done in terms of staging, uh, open houses, um, marketing strategy like advertising, uh, videos, all that stuff. That's that's what matters, not the brokerage. Yeah, exactly. Look at the presentation. Look at what they're offering you. Now, if they show yeah. up with nothing in hand, and uh, another agent shows up with a whole package for you, full color brochures, double sided, with a whole strategy of what they're going to do and how they're going to get your market, your house listed, and top of mind of potential buyers. Hey, chances are that person's going to do more for you, right? Compare what they're doing and what they're offering and do it based on how the agent presents themselves, not so much which brokerage they're with. Yeah. Uh, number six. I have a client who recently moved into a new build townhome and is currently in the interim interim occupancy stage, stage, paying occupancy fees. My client likes their home, but not the location area after living there for a month. They can't sell because technically it's not theirs yet, but they can reassign by paying a fee to the builder. 
Are there any other options available if they want to get rid of it without taking a huge loss? Okay, so from my understanding, reading this is basically they bought a new construction project um, they, in an area they've never been to, but they like the house, so they bought the house. They moved into the house and realized they hate the area. And they want out because they would rather uh, be somewhere else. They just cannot live in that area for whatever reason. Um, but now when you're in an occupancy stage, that basically means that the uh, unit still belongs to the builder, not to you. You're just occupying it until, until the building gets registered and then you do a firm closing. So yeah, an assignment uh, is what you would have to do. Uh, is there any other options? For a lack of better description, no. Assigning is the only option you really have. Yeah. Um, it's possible that you can assign it and not take a loss if you can get your money back. Um, maybe you bought it when the time, you know, when uh, the prices were a little higher and now there's been a correction and that's why you might take a loss. You might just want to wait it out, close, and then wait till the market uh, rebounds a bit, then get out. Maybe rent it out rent if you're it, allowed yeah. to rent it out. Rent it out and uh, go live in an area you want to live and rent it out for a while. Once the uh, market bounces back, then you sell it. That would be the uh, only option because um, other than assigning, you're pretty much stuck. Uh, number seven, I'm listing a house for lease. There was a recent death in the family of the current tenant. It's the current tenant's husband. They are moving out. Husband died of cardiac arrest inside the house and recently in July. Do I need to declare this in my listing? If yes, should it be under the brokerage remarks? Um, I think my personal opinion is that uh, this is a lease. It's not going to really be the same as a sale. So for a lease, I wouldn't list it. I would just let it go. Plus, it's a natural cause. And it's a natural cause. So there's no real stigma from that. Yeah, there's no stigma. So um, for that lease, no, I would not list it. I wouldn't worry about it. I would just move on. Or if, if, if you want, this is extra step that you can leave a remark saying before you put an offer, give the listing agent a call. Yeah, that's an option too, but I, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't bring it up. Yeah. That's me personally. Because again, natural causes, it wasn't uh, a murder or something like that. So number eight. My home is paid off and I'll be using the funds from my sale to purchase a new property, no new mortgage. If the home I purchase closes before my home does, for example, one month, how does this work? Do I need to take temporary mortgage for the closing date uh, discrepancy? So that's an option, bridge bridge mortgage, that's an option. Yeah, um, basically, yeah, uh, it's, you're not gonna get the house without the mortgage because you're not gonna sit there and wait to get paid later. Yeah. So uh, Maybe getting- They can extend the closing date. Extend the closing date, yeah. that's an option. That's, a, that's the more affordable option because you will not pay any interest on that. That's 100% the best way. Yeah. See if, the, uh, if you can extend the closing. If you can't extend the closing, then the bridge loan is pretty much your only option. Yeah, you talk to the bank, showing them that your purchase agreement, your sale agreement and how much you know, money you're getting and, and then they'll, they'll do a bridge loan for you. Yeah, that's pretty much the only options other than that, um, you know, maybe you'll get lucky and uh, maybe you can get a closing for the home you're buying uh, on a short closing and match the date. Yeah. And then option is you either you bring the, the your purchase to your uh, sale closing date or you bring your sale closing date and extend it to your purchase or you get the bridge loan. That's pretty much the only three options. 
And that was question number eight. And the final question we have, thank you for watching this edition of the Q&A. We are usually bi-weekly. We are going to be stepping away from the show until September 20, I believe it was 22nd, we're coming back. And, um, and September 22nd. Yes, September 22nd, yeah. Yeah, it is going to be a very special episode because we are going to have a special guest. And uh, look out for the announcement, look out for the advertisements, follow our, our stuff on social media as we'll be promoting who that guest will be in the upcoming weeks. And September 22nd, we will resume bi-weekly, starting off with a brand new guest. Thank you for participating. My name is John Papaloni. And, and my um, name is Todd Wally. Thanks for watching the show.